You are listening to the Remotepreneurs Podcast. Here, you'll learn how to adapt to a new future of doing business remotely by listening to interviews with the new breed of entrepreneurs called Remotepreneurs. Now, welcome your host, a remotepreneur that came from the factories to building multiple location independent incomes all remotely, Philip Bill Stankowski. Hello, Remotepreneurs. This is your host, Philip Will, for another episode on the Remotepreneurs podcast. Today, I have a fellow speaker that's coming to Bali in 2020 for the Digital Nomad Summit. Her name is uh, Tasha Prados. She's the CEO and founder of Duraka Strategic. She actually helps small businesses achieve their business goals through branding and marketing strategy. Interesting enough, Duraka means tough cookie in Puerto Rican. She's a bilingual and multicultural strategist with over dozens of years. And she worked on interesting projects internationally for one of major and leading world brands like uh, US Peace Corps, Intel, US National Institute of Health. And her work was recognized and were given dozens of industry awards. Some of them were shorty social good awards, public relationship, Society of America, American Advertising Federation, and others. So on today's topic, we're going to discuss how you can achieve your business uh, using a branding and strategy. Also, one of the things that we are going to mention is what you need to know and what you need to do before starting your own business, especially if you want to travel as a digital nomad. And for new travelers, why is it important to be responsible, respectful, and cultural sensitive while traveling? Because you're coming from a different countries, uh, different customs, and when you go to uh, new countries, there is some misconceptions and the guests that are traveling need to be a little bit more respectful. So that's something that we are going to touch base. Tasha, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for that great introduction. Well, thank you. It was on the fly. <laughs> Very nice. Hope you, hope you liked it. I did. It was really good. <laughs> Where are you currently? Uh, right now, I'm in Siem Reap, Cambodia. Uh, okay. I'm just here with my mom for a couple of days. She came to visit for the holidays. So we were in Kuala Lumpur, and now we're and I'll go on to Thailand. So I'm excited for that. Nice. Nice. So tell me, tell me your background. How did you end up to... How did you start Duraka Strategic and are you currently like full-time digital nomad or how does that work? Yeah, I, I am a brand new-ish full-time digital nomad. Okay. Uh, so I used to work at a top three global advertising agency. That's where a lot of the clients that you mentioned I had. Um, it's called Ogilvy and I was there for almost four years. Um, I left September 11th, 2019 was my last day. So I've been traveling now for just a few months. I went around the U.S. West Coast um, and then Hawaii and I went to Bali. Um, and now I've been just a couple other places. I went through East Java and Singapore um, and then Malaysia and now I'm here in Cambodia. So yeah, Duraka Strategic, the idea was born out of the fact that, you know, I've been spending the last four years helping all of these massive U.S. government and Fortune 100 companies, and they're all good companies, all good organizations doing really good things for the world. 
Um, but in managing all of those massive multi-million dollar projects, I thought there's a lot of really useful and good information and tools here that smaller organizations and businesses and entrepreneurs can really use and harness. Um, so for the last few months, I've been working on helping um, those smaller businesses really getting getting serious, efficient, and strategic about their communications using tools that I've used for much larger clients. Mm -hmm. So basically, what you learn from the bigger clients, I assumed it's like a complex communication, project management, etc. You're just tailored for smaller businesses, how you can just implement the same strategy, branding, marketing, communication tool. And one of the interesting things for digital nomads that I see is uh, most people are using remote workforce. That's like a basis of hiring. And most of the hiring will be from different cult cultures and communications, how to break, break through the cultural boundaries, right? Something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that's not actually something that I work on, but I, that's a topic I'm very passionate mm -hmm. about. Um, I, I'm multicultural and I've worked in a lot of different cultures. Um, and like you mentioned in your intro, it's something I care a lot about. Um, and I think that a lot of times, I mean, some of the most important things when you're working across cultures is just, A, being very aware of your own culture and where you're coming from and realizing that that's not everyone's culture. And then being, you know, it helps obviously to do some research beforehand so you can get an idea of the other cultures that you're interacting with, but also just making sure that you're being observant and kind of like, I, I usually use the rule of like observing before acting mm -hmm. a lot. Um, just try to observe what the norm is and see how you fit in. Um, and then, you know, really think things through, like if something doesn't quite make sense or seems a little off, like realize that it might not be about you or don't take it personal and just try to figure out why that is because some cultures just do things completely differently. And so if you're not aware of that, you might totally miss really important things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you, you've been traveling now like a digital nomad for three, four months. Tell me what have you seen from the different countries that you've been? in correlation between the different remote entrepreneurs or digital nomads, if you will, and yeah. the actual host of the countries? Well, every, every country and even within countries is, is super different. Um, I'll start with Bali just because I went there first and I was there for the most time. And also because it's this huge digital nomad hub. <laughs> so I, I, when I was planning to leave my job and become a digital nomad, and I was planning this for more than a mm -hmm. year, um, I knew I wanted to go to Bali because I was really interested in meeting other digital nomads and seeing what people were doing. And I saw that it was like one of the biggest places in the world for it. So I was like, okay, I'll go to Bali. Like, it'll be a really great place to meet other people who are doing the same thing. Um, and to be honest, I was super surprised when I got there at how things were. I've lived and worked in probably like and volunteered in about six countries and traveled to now probably 30 plus. Mm -hmm. And Bali to me was like, I, it was very different than what I expected, both in terms of the digital nomads that I met and in terms of what Bali was like. Uh, and I'm curious because I know you've been there, like what, how you felt there. But to me, it, it felt, especially in the digital nomad hub, um, and Chengdu, where I was, uh, it felt very segregated between digital nomads and locals. I think people, you really have to make a very concerted effort to get outside of that bubble. And of course, a lot of places, there's very much a bubble, but in, in Chengdu in particular, it just felt so, so separate. Um, and it, it's easy, I think, for people to just continue living their life as they would 
in their home country and not really get very exposed to the local culture, um, even to the local food. There's so many restaurants that don't really even have a lot of Balinese food. And of course there are, but you have to you go seek them out as you do anywhere. But in Bali in particular, to me, it just felt super different. Um, I don't know. How did you feel when you were there? Uh, actually, in Bali, I'm uh, going first in June on the, on the summit. Uh, this year I was in oh, okay. uh, Thailand, mostly in Chiang Mai. That's also okay. another digital nomad hub. And I think there is a same story there. Uh, digital nomads, co-working space, restaurants, events. So it's like a, like a mm -hmm. ghetto of digital nomads. You're not actually like hanging out with the local people at, mm -hmm. only when you go to eat or something like that restaurant. But you're not. Yeah. Some of yeah. them, I think they have like a coach or trainer for a gym or a Mai Tai, something like that I've seen, but not like hanging out with mm -hmm. other people from different cultures. So it seems like we are building like our own uh, culture identity and our own country <laughs> and our own customs. So just curious to see yeah, how it's going to look uh, in in Bali, what's, what would be the difference? But I think it, it will be the same because most of the people I met, I actually lived in, in Chiang Mai in a villa with a digital nomads, like five, six of them mm -hmm. and half of them just went to, to Bali. Some of them are actually going to speak as yeah. well on the event, so <laughs> looking forward to meet them. Oh, cool. I'd be, well, I'll be really curious to hear how you feel like Bali compares to Chiang Mai. Yeah. Uh, from what they told me from the people that I've been, uh, they told me that Chiang Mai is a really good place if you want to start your own business, like to be more concentrated on the work, mm -hmm. etc. Like a bootstrapping, yeah. if you will. Uh, Bali is from everybody that I spoke, they told me it's a little bit more spiritual. I don't know, it's a bit like a hanging out more, etc. So it's not that much uh, business focused, but maybe I'm wrong. I'll have to see for myself. It, it depends where you are. Ubud is very yes, spiritual. Uh, Chenggu is much more like business oriented. Mm -hmm. Okay. For sure. But also a lot, a lot of hanging out and you have a lot of tourists and travelers who are coming through. So there's also like a lot of surfers, a lot of partiers. Yeah. What's the beach over there? Like I love beaches. Ah, it's a, there's lots of good beaches. There's a lot of rocks. Oh, though, okay. So just be careful. <laughs> yeah. But really, some really nice beaches. Yeah, sure. yeah, okay. I see Olumide is uh, making stories all the time. <laughs> yes. You, you, from his trips. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so where do you see yourself in a few years uh, as a digital nomad? How do you like the lifestyle? Ooh. What do you think is the next step? That's a very interesting question uh, that I've been getting asked a lot lately. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting because, you know, when I started on this journey, I, I didn't think of it as like, this is going to be my new life for forever. I was like, okay, like, let me see what happens. Let me try it out. Um, I've always wanted to travel for a while, but I don't love backpacking necessarily because mm -hmm. I, I like working. I like being productive. I like helping people. Um, and so I thought that this would be a great combination of being able to travel and see other places. Um, and also getting to work and help people at the same time. And when I went into it, I was thinking, well, first of all, I, I've never lived this lifestyle before, so I have to see if I like it. So far, so good, but I'm, you know, I'm brand new. I'm, I just started this, so, you know, we'll see how I feel in, in a few months. I have no idea. But when I went into it, I was thinking, we'll just see how this goes. Like, maybe I'll do it for, like, one to two years. 
And I was actually speaking at a, an event in, in Bali recently and somebody asked me that same question. They're like, oh, what's your five-year plan? And so I started to answer like this and he's like, yeah. And I was like, I was like, yeah, maybe after one to two years, like I'll go back to Washington, D.C., where I'm from in the U.S. and, and get another job. And he was like, I don't think you're going to do that. And I was like, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, you know, life, life is funny. I've, I'm one of those people. I'm like all about the journey. So, you know, it will be interesting to see where this journey takes me. I've, I've already, you know, met so many amazing people from around the world. Um, and the, the advertising agency I used to work at, Ogilvy, uh, I just stopped by their, their Singapore office when I was in Singapore. Um, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, you know, I wonder if I'll end up here someday. <laughs> so, you know, it's just really interesting. There's so many possibilities. And I feel like it would be, you know, before, uh, a few years ago, um, you know, I might feel anxious not, not knowing what would be next, what would be after this. But I feel very relaxed, very happy, very excited for what's to come. And I don't feel like I need to know what it is. Um, right now, I'm just excited about, you know, what I'm working on now in the present moment and um, seeing, seeing where this journey takes me. Yeah, okay, okay. I mean, first of all, test it out <laughs> and see. I, yes. I've been working remotely for almost five, six years now. And I've been traveling probably 20, 30 plus countries. It, I'm not like a full-time digital nomad. I'm not going from one country to another because sometimes I just want to go home base. Currently, yeah. I'm in my home base in Macedonia. I'm in an office. So I feel productive now and that's the time that I want to devote. This year, I was uh, two months in Thailand. I was in Greece. A few months ago, I came back from Italy as well. But until uh, end of March, I don't plan to go anywhere. Maybe just in Bulgaria for a mountain trip or something like that. Yeah. But in the past five, six years, it's not like I was going from one country to another. I've been in Philippines, Egypt, everywhere. I just go maybe a few months or one month, stay there, work, obviously, from a laptop. <laughs> then I just go back home yeah. and be productive. So I'm just doing maybe every 90 or 100 days, I just go somewhere, somewhere far. That's and, my preference. And, and why do you feel like that refreshes your thinking or why do you do that? Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, it refreshes my thinking because, first of all, all the work that you've done previously, 90 days or 100 days, you just need uh, something to recharge you. And while you're not working, I, it's, I'm working from a laptop, but I'm not like working 12 hours. I try mm -hmm. to enjoy the actual trip. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I have some ideas, what would be the next level up? What would be the yeah. next level up? What I need to do? Absolutely. Time for some of that strategic thinking that you don't really have time yes. to do when you're mired in the day-to-day. -day. I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. That's how I like it. Uh, this year, I'm waiting to see. I'm part of uh, Rotary, Rotary Club. And uh, I applied to go to Sri Lanka to oh, cool. fellow Rotary actors there. And if I go in Sri Lanka, maybe I'll connect the trips with Malaysia, Thailand, and eventually go to Bali for the speaking engagement. And I'll see how much I can stay in Bali as a, as a Macedonian yeah. with a passport. Yeah. I cannot stay too much in other countries because our passport doesn't allow. For example, I can just stay two months in, in, in Thailand and mm -hmm. I have to go back home. Some of, some, I know that European and United States citizens, they can just go outside the border and just come back. 
Mm. Me, I have to go in the embassy in Bulgaria, in Sofia, get the visa and then go back. And if you come back in Macedonia and go right away, I mean, it doesn't make sense financially. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you end yeah. up in Sri Lanka, definitely let me know. I'm planning to go there soon-ish. <laughs> yeah, uh, the trip is end of March, beginning of April, and it's organized by Rotaract. So okay, cool. it's like everything handled by them. I just go and smile. And take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to not have to do the planning. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's why I like it. I don't want to do anything. I just pay for the trip. That is just some, I mean, it's it's funny how, how affordable it is, but that's because I'm part of the organization. And I don't want to do anything. Food, everything is taken care of. I just want to enjoy and think. Yeah, that sounds what's nice. Next. That sounds really nice. That's how I like <laughs> it. Yeah. Okay, so tell me a little bit about uh, your experience with your own business now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sure. So it's going well so far. Um, I, I worked for several different types of clients. Um, I guess I'll mm -hmm. tell you a little bit about them and what I've done for them. Um, so one of them is a nonprofit organization that used to be part of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which is um, a university in the state of North Carolina in the United States. Um, and they help mentor uh, young Latino high school students from underprivileged mm -hmm communities who are trying to become first-generation college students who are trying to be the first in their family to go to college. So I help okay. them transition from being part of the university to being their own independent nonprofit organization, complete with their own new name, new visual identity, so new logo, new branding, everything, their new brand position and strategy. So they completely change from what they're doing before to be a much broader organization and like an education incubator for different programs. Um, really working to foster leadership of Latinx students across the South um, and in North Carolina in particular, um, and then help them design, launch, and launch a new website. So we've done all of those things now, and the website is live. Um, also help them with internal stakeholder management with their board and all of that. So that's been really exciting to see that come to life because it's something I care passionately about, um, and it's really great that these students have this organization and I think the new the new brand the new website all of that is going to help them tremendously um, so that's one organization I've also worked with several startups um, and local artists in DC as well so the artist for example she was actually my first client and uh, she makes 3d printed jewelry so similarly it helps her with her brand positioning and messaging and new logo and visual identity and website launch and she's now quadrupled her sales because of our marketing work together and she's now going to be she's in three brick and mortar stores in DC now including shop made in DC um, which is a very well-known store in DC and she's going to be featured in Washingtonian magazine which is also a very well-known magazine in DC so that was really exciting uh, because I care about her both as, as a friend and a person and an artist I think her work is really cool um, so it's been really exciting to see that take off um, so yeah, those are a couple, a couple examples of some of my clients. Um, what you were asking about before about, um, you know, how I kind of apply these things I learned working with really big brands and really big clients to these smaller organizations that don't have, quite frankly, don't have the same resources, right? So for example, it's, it's really not about using the same things that work for other clients. It's really about the process and helping people 
get to where they need to go. Um, so the way I typically work with clients is, is really get to understand their business objectives and then work backwards and help them figure out how to get there and how to get the most value for the resources that they have. Because I know that working with small businesses, entrepreneurs, nonprofits, they, they don't have the, the million dollar budgets or the couple thousand dollar <laughs> budgets that, that I used to get to work with. Um, so I have to be really scrappy and really flexible um, and really listen to my clients and really understand what they need um, and then figure out how to get them the most value to get there. Yeah, so, so basically you are teaching the principle. They don't have to have a million dollar budget, but the strategy and the principle is the same. You don't have to buy a tool that costs, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars. You can just use something for free, be resourceful, and you yeah. will have similar results. Okay, make, make perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me, before you actually uh, started your digital nomad travel and actually started the company, you, you said you were thinking about one year. Is that the preparation that you've done? Like, what was the thought process? I'm asking yeah. this because I've seen a lot of digital nomads. Uh, they see cool Instagram stories that they are working on the beach. They read usually <laughs> the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Yeah. And they think that, uh, I don't know, they will find few clients and they will make money and enjoy the beach. But most of them actually fail. That's the real story. So mm -hmm. how can we help the audience that are thinking to become a digital nomads? Mm -hmm. What they need to do to prepare to actually have a long-term sure. uh, lifestyle of a digital nomads, if they like. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll tell you about some of the things that I did to prepare and maybe it will help other people. I'd say there's, there's a few different sides to it, right? One side is the business side, how you're going to make money. That's totally different than just like your life as a digital nomad. From the business side, you have to, well, there's a lot of different ways to be a digital nomad, right? Like you might be a remote worker for an existing company. Maybe you can negotiate with your existing employer. Um, maybe you can practice by going to a cafe or working from home or something like that. Um, if you're going to go the route of starting your own business, um, which is what I did, obviously, that's also a lot to do while you're being a digital nomad. Um, but, you know, I, I was working, I had a full-time job, so I didn't really have a choice. Uh, but I did a lot of preparation beforehand. Um, you know, so, so there's obviously a lot you need to do to start a business. You need to, in my case, I guess you need to think about, you know, what's your name going to be? You know, I care about branding a lot. So what's your branding going to be? What's your marketing strategy going to be? How are you going to get clients? Who, who are your clients going to be? Have you talked to them already? Have you validated your idea? How are you going to price your strategies? These are all things you need to think about, you know, before you get ready to launch your business and you need to plan your launch. Um, and then you need to figure out how you're going to continue to do all those things. Plus set up all the logistics, right? Like bank accounts, credit cards, how you're going to accept payments, uh, email addresses, websites, um, you know, sales decks, pitches, all those kinds of things. Um, and then on the life side, which is probably what people maybe think about more, or if, if they don't need to start a business or anything, you also have a lot of different things to think about, right? Like, what are you going to bring with you? People focus on that a lot. And I'm not going to lie, I did too. <laughs> I did a lot of research on, on, you know, different backpacks and stuff like that. Um, you know, deciding what to bring. And so there's what you're going to bring, right? There's how you're going to do your work. You have to make sure you have the right technology. Um, I think, you know, one thing people don't talk about a lot is figuring out your tax situation, figuring out your finance situation. 
Again, I think honestly making sure you have the right bank accounts and credit cards is so important. Um, and it's easy for me to say this as an American because I have access to more financial products that are better for digital nomads. I mean, not all of them, like we don't have Revolut or N26, but I have, I have really good cards that don't have a currency conversion fee, that don't have an international ATM fee. Those things really add up when you're traveling full time. Um, you know, how are you going to do your taxes? I have an accountant because that's honestly like not my area of expertise and I did not want to try to figure that out. So just figuring out all of those life things. And then you also have things like, how are you going to keep in touch with your friends and family? Like, when are you going to talk to them? Like, are you going to be okay living on your own? Um, I lived in Peru for over two years and that was 2011 to 2013. So it was complete, it was a completely different world then. Um, and also, I was living in a rural area in the desert, so I did not have oh. a smartphone. I did not have Wi-Fi. Um, if I wanted to talk to my friends and family, I needed to email. With, I needed to go one town over, use the internet cafe, email with them to set a time and a date to Skype. And then when it was time to Skype, take the car back to the town, the next town over, to have the Skype date with them. And most of the time we would spend like 30 minutes just trying to connect on Skype. <laughs> and by the time you actually talk to the person, they're like so frustrated. They don't even want to talk to you. Um, so it's a completely different world than the world we're living in now where I have my smartphone. Oh, that's another big important thing to do. I actually got Google Fi because it works all over the world. I just land in the country. And I have data and uh, messaging and, I mean, phone calls are still expensive, but that is so much easier than buying a local SIM card every time you go somewhere. For me, at least, for me, it's worth the money. It's so different. So I can, I can text my friends and family like normal. Um, Marco mm-hmm. Polo is a new app that I'm using now where you can, like, record video chats. Uh, you can actually see them and that's that's really fun and it works really well across different time zones because right now uh actually i can't remember right now but a minute ago i was 13 hours ahead of most people and like 15 or 16 hours ahead of some other people so it can be challenging um scheduling things that's another thing to think about as a business owner too how are you going to adjust your own hours to work if your client like for example if my clients are in the u.s which a lot of them are um, you know, that means I'm getting up early, I'm having calls very late at night, um, and just figuring out how you're going to modify your schedule and how you're going to make that work the rest of your life, I think is important. Yeah, so, so basically, you need to prepare for everything in advance, so there is no guessing, right? No frustration, I mean, you don't need to, it depends on who you are, right? Everyone is different. Um, and also, like, you can only prepare for so much, right? Like, you can bring... Yeah. You can bring all the things, but inevitably you're going to forget something or inevitably something's going to break, get lost, get stolen. Um, another thing I didn't mention is uh, health insurance, travel insurance, um, things like that are, are good to get. Um, but yeah, I have met a surprise, to me, a surprising, because obviously the way, like I just told you about all the things I did to prepare and, and I have also met so many people who just, you know, quit their job and showed up in Bali and that's cool. Like that's totally fine. Like, great good for those people I guess I'm a little bit further on in my career and so I I took a very like strategic approach of like this is something I want to do this is a change I want to make and and planning to get there that's just more my personality yeah but if you're planning to be there long term 
you need to plan it like that and be prepared for it. As you mentioned, yes, I've seen a lot of people also in Chiang Mai, they were like, screw it. I'm just going in Thailand. I'm going to enjoy the life, the beach, etc." And they actually put Instagram stories and pictures, mm-hmm. but they are broke or they just have some kind of savings on, on, on their own and they don't have any income. So that's, I think, bad planning. And usually in three to six months, they just return back to the same lifestyle and say that this is not for me. I mean, if you're planning to do that, obviously you need to prepare, at least financially be prepared, have some income, you can work remotely for mm-hmm. some company, not necessarily you have to own a business. Right. But if you own a business, as you mentioned, be prepared for everything, logistics, payments, company, everything. And also make sure to have income from the business coming in. Yeah, absolutely. You, don't have, you will not be rich, obviously. You <laughs> cannot succeed in 30 minutes. But at least yeah. have some income and after that you can develop as you go and you can do that from any, yeah, that's any really, countries as you will. Absolutely. That's a really big thing. You know, I, I've, I've been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs in Bali and then also clients and, you know, you just see so many Instagram ads that are like, how to get to your six-figure <laughs> six launch in like four weeks. And it's like, you know, the copywriting on these ads is so good. You're like, oh, what am I doing wrong? Like, let me like look at this ad and see... And it's, it's all, I've never seen one where I really learned anything useful. <laughs> uh, it's always like some like BS thing that people are packaging up to ask like it's the solution. Um, and really what I try to tell people is that it really takes a lot of strategic thinking and hard work and planning, um, which isn't to say that you can't do things quickly and do things really well and be really successful. Um, but typically when you get to that point, you, you've really thought things through. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, let's face it. You cannot achieve anything in, in three weeks, four weeks. Most of the ads that you see are just selling you information. For example, when I wanted to actually start the podcast, I was reading a lot about podcasting, watching videos, etc., And it sounds like, well, it's simple. It's one, two, three, five, six steps. You have a website, you have this, you, you record yeah. 10 episodes and that's, but actually when you have to actually do the work, I mean, yeah. it's so crazy how much workload you have to do. Absolutely. I mean, even just, even just making a website, right? Like, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big step, right? That putting that in one step is kind of misleading, right? Cause creating a good website takes a whole lot of effort, right? <laughs> yeah. True, true. I mean, I haven't built the website myself. I outsource that of part, course, also yeah. the, the, but even, the graphics, etc. Right? You're finding time to hire the person to manage them, to review yeah. things. It takes time. Yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, it takes a lot of time to actually find the right WordPress team. Then yes. he asks you, how do you want to look? Then you have to research on other podcasts what they put on the yeah. website. I never done it. So it takes a lot of time. So how does the branding going to yeah. look? This is very funny because this is something I talk about in my uh, branding workshops a lot because working with entrepreneurs. So the, the way brand positioning works is, is like, I like to say there's like four stages. The first stage is okay. discovery, uh, kind of really doing your research and examining the landscape. What does the market look like? What are my competitors doing? Um, you know, everything from like prices to messaging to tone to visual identity, like what's out there already. And then looking inward and being like, okay, what are my strengths as a business? What are my weaknesses? Who do I want to be? What are my values? What do I really stand for? Then the definition phase, deciding who you are, you know, what's our, 
what's our name? What are we going to look like? You know, what, what's our brand position? What's really our strategy here? Then is the expression is expressing that through, okay, we need a logo, we need a visual identity, and then activating it through a website. Most of the time with entrepreneurs, it's backwards, right? You're, you start with like, I need a website. So like, what do I put on there? What do I make it look like? And they never do, uh, not never, but a lot of times they don't do or haphazardly do these early stages, especially what I like think is, I think is one of the most important things is that discovery stage is really doing the research both on, on the external market and also looking at your own business to really see how you fit and how you can find a niche. How do you capitalize on the gaps and the opportunities in the market um, to have a successful long-term brand strategy? Um, and a lot of times people are so focused on, I need a website, I need a logo, I need to launch, that they ignore all of those things. And then they end up with a business or a product uh, or a service that doesn't necessarily make the most sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I see. So there is actually some steps that you should follow, but it's not that easy, you, but you need to pay attention and you, somebody needs to tell you. Yeah. Somebody like Yeah, me. definitely. <laughs> yeah. Somebody That's like you. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So guys, if you have plans to start a business and you need some marketing or branding consulting, definitely reach out to Tasha. In the show notes, I'll include the link to where you can schedule a call, etc. Cool. Tell me um, my personal question. Okay. I'm planning to start a business for podcast post-production outsourcing awesome. in some cool. way. What type of name I should look like? Something easy to remember? Let's say, I don't know. Podcast, outsource my podcast.com, mm -hmm. for example, something mm -hmm. like that. Or it has to be some something unique. For example, I've interviewed Russ Perry. He's the owner of Design Pickle, probably one of the most successful uh, business model that he developed in the creative space. And it, it's Design Pickle. Okay, design associates creative work, but Pickle, like, it's a random name. So what's the best position there you're, you're in not terms gonna, of naming? I don't know if you'll like my answer. Um, branding and okay. marketing is both an art and a science, right? So to okay. me, the science part is the research. So I would never give you an answer about what you should name your company without doing my homework first. Um, okay. But of course, there's also the art, right? There's that instinct and... I'd say for you as a business owner, you want to pick something that you love that resonates with you. Um, and I think a lot of business owners fall into too much of a trap of like, let me get other people's feedback. Other people's feedback isn't bad. And I've done tons of focus groups. I've done tons of in-depth interviews. It's good to get other people's feedback. But what's very important is to maintain your own point of view and really know who you are mm -hmm. as the founder because it's your company. Um, so I say if you find a name you fall in love with and you think it works, that's great. Um, but for me, if you're really asking me that question, I would want to first do a lot of research. I would want to do some of those discovery things we talked about, look at the existing market, look at the competitors. Um, I would talk to you a lot about your company, your values, what you stand for, your brand position before thinking, starting to think of any name. Um, and I know that sounds like perhaps a bit silly for just coming up with a name, but for me, that process is about so much more than coming up with a name. It's about coming up with your, your brand position, which is really who your company is. 
um, not like just what you do or what you produce, what your, what your product or service is, in this case, a podcast. It's about what you stand for. It's about your values. And it's about, if you think about like this company compared to other podcast companies, what does it, what makes it unique? What makes it special? And not just your value proposition, but like who you really are and what you really stand for. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I definitely understand that part. I mean, the podcast remote preneurs was born from an idea that is specifically for remote entrepreneurs. So yeah. somebody that is owning, I don't know, a gas station or brick and mortar probably doesn't care of, of the podcast. So that's right. not my demographic audience. Absolutely. And the term usually that everybody uses is digital nomad. Usually when you say digital nomad, people are thinking that you sell everything, you just have a laptop and you're just <laughs> going from one place to another. So the purpose and the name of remotepreneurs is anybody that works remotely even freelancers that are in yeah. united states are they're not traveling for example yeah. expats that they, they move out from their countries anybody that's using remote workforce outsourcing online business etc yeah i like the name a so lot that, that's the idea it makes a lot of sense for yeah. sure because that's yeah, and also the branding if you saw my yeah <laughs> my picture on instagram I, like I hope you like it yeah like yeah. the half suit half like flowers <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. I like, like it a lot. <laughs> it stands out. Yeah. No, I like it a lot. I think I think the name of the show makes a lot of sense. And, and what you talked about is also something um, I talk about a lot, right? It's all about your target audience um, and figuring out who those people are and finding things that resonate with them. Um, it doesn't matter if you know, like you said, people who have a nine to five job don't like your podcast. They're not your target audience, right? It's all about the people who are interested in working remotely are interested in being entrepreneurs like that's your target audience and as long as they like it and it's resonating with them that's great um marketing is moving much more away from demographic targeting such as like women and men ages 30 to 35 who are white mm -hmm. and much more towards interest-based targeting so like people who are interested in location independent work and passionate about entrepreneurship. Um, for me, those are the types of target audiences I like to help people think about and work with um, because that's how you really get inside people's heads and understand what will work for them and how to reach them. Yeah, what will tick them to, to make an action at the end. The point Absolutely. of marketing in my, in how I understand it is actually getting attention. That's the first step, getting recognized. And after that, through marketing, uh, implant idea to buy the product or service or start thinking about it? Yeah, um, I, it's funny because like, I, I like, I'm a little bit like anti-consumerism, anti-materialism, and yet I do marketing, right? But, but you are absolutely right. It's all about behavior and behavior change. Um, but I like to think of it not so much as like convincing people to buy a product that they don't want, but as helping people who want something, find it. So then you're doing something much more useful. Um, it's all about mm -hmm. helping people. It's all about, you know, giving people the right message in the right time at the right place when they're in the mindset to think about what you have to offer them um, and when they want it. Uh, so like, for example, you know, one of the campaigns that I worked at at my old advertising agency was about um, a medical service. So in order to share that with people, we did it at doctor's offices. We did it through their doctors. We did it at their pharmacies when they were thinking about their health and when they were looking for help with that. Um, so it's, it's really all about understanding the mindset of the people that you're trying to reach 
and and not being some annoying pop-up on people's phone where they're like oh get away like this yeah. is <laughs> like i hate you like that that gives people a negative reaction and, and they're no longer going to want to have anything to do with you yes something that they they will be happy to follow and and support it actually not just to see your message but if you're boring they, they will definitely delete you now there is too much noise in the in the marketplace i think that branding and marketing strategy it's important to stand out yes yeah, so especially getting attention nobody's listening yeah. now how to yeah. get their attention to tell your values that yeah. it doesn't matter what you sell yes this is one of the things that i talk about a lot um people's attention span is like eight seconds now so it's very short you really don't have a lot of time to get it um and what i try to help people focus on and do uh, in brand positioning and strategy, like I said, is really figuring out your values and figuring out what you stand for and building an emotional connection with your audience rather than just a transactional relationship. So not just I'm selling you this product or I'm selling you this service, but what values do we share and what do we have in common? Because if you, if you feel like you really resonate with a brand and you have have this in common with them, you share their values, it's much more memorable to you, um, you have more of a relationship with them, you care more, and you'll not only use the product, you'll recommend it to people. Yes, I mean, the, it's not the point just to sell once at, at that customer, it's more, more important, I mean sales from that industry, <laughs> it's more important to provide enough value that they will rem remember you first thing to come back and buy again, Yep. and be a long-term client. And second thing would be recommendation or referrals. Yes, absolutely. And that's bring exactly, more business to Yes, you. that's marketing as well. Because the first step of marketing is moving people from not being aware of your company or product or service to being aware of your company or product or service. And if you have an existing client or customer who refers other people and is serving as a brand advocate for you, you're already working on moving that person along the user journey to get further along towards buying your product or service. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's more important to keep the, the old clients and as you said, be, become a brand ambassador. For example, uh, people that are Apple followers and lovers, they're just <laughs> like crazy advertising it for free to other people and they're just buying anything yeah. that is new. Yeah. Even if it's the same like previous one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing yeah, because okay. uh, I was one of my Romanian friends that I, I just mentioned. Um, he's obsessed with iPhone. And anytime we would take a picture in Bali, he'd be like, it has to be on iPhone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has better cameras. <laughs> I don't know. I have a Pixel 3 now, which honestly, I do like iPhone better, but the camera is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, tell me, what are you going to speak in Bali for the DNS Summit? I'm going to be doing a branding strategy workshop. So um, some of the things we talked about today, uh, if, you, if people who listen to the podcast end up coming to the Digital Nomad Summit and show up to my workshop, I will actually help them work through some of these questions to actually walk out of the session with some useful things that they have for their own company. So rather than just telling them what they should be doing, we're talking about it, we'll actually work on it in the session. Um, and they'll actually hopefully come out of the session with an idea of how they want to formulate their brand strategy. Yeah, okay, okay. So guys, if you're planning to join us in Bali, June, I think it was from 5th to 7th June. Yeah, 5th to 7th June. 
definitely check out Tasha's uh, speaking workshop, also mine, and there are other, I think, 25 plus people now. Yeah. It's going to speak going there. To be awesome. So definitely worth it. Yeah. Hope you guys can make it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, tell me what was the most influential books or podcast that you listen or any material that inspired your lifestyle, Ooh. except for our work week. That's obvious <laughs> answer for everyone. Yeah. Um, so many different things. Um, I guess one thing that I have been promoting a lot that I will say, this is more on the business end of things than the digital nomad ends of things, but it's called rework. Um, it's by the guys who created Ruby on Rails and Basecamp and a lot of other really <clears throat> amazing things and products. Um, but it's, it's a business book and it's, it's very short, digestible phrases. And you'd think that something like that is just fluff, but it's really got so much value. And reading that as someone trying to start a business, I, I think, I feel like I learned so many valuable lessons from that book. Um, I'll just tell you a couple of nuggets that I remember off the top of my head. One of the things they say is like, you'll never be smaller and more nimble than you are now. Like don't rush to scale up because the more, the more processes and procedures and, and decisions you make, like that adds, uh, what's like the opposite that adds weight and that makes it difficult to change your direction and change your momentum. Um, so think carefully before you make decisions like that. Uh, another thing they talk about is using your byproducts as products. So think about, you know, what is the excess that you have as you're creating something? And is that something that might be useful to somebody? So like, for example, for you, this podcast right now, like you are a remote printer and you've learned all these lessons along the way. And now you're sharing them through this podcast. That's essentially that. So yeah, those are just two examples, but there, there's so many great, so many great things in this book. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Can you say the book name again? I didn't get it. Yeah, Rework. So R-E and then Work. Okay. Definitely, I can check it out for for now, for the new years. Definitely. End of new year, making plans for 2020. Do you have your plans already done uh, for 2020 or written down? I don't have a lot of plans. <laughs> I'm going to a, a fitness boot camp for New Year's. That's still like January 5th in Phuket, um, in Thailand. And then I think I will go meet a friend in Tong Sai in Thailand and maybe try to learn rock climbing. Um, but also, I think I want to spend some time in January hunkering down um, and working a lot on my business. Um, and then I'm kind of planning to just run around Southeast Asia. And then, of course, I need to be back in Bali in June for the Digital Nomad Summit. Um, I might go to Bangkok for a little while. Um, I spoke at a conference there earlier this year for um, the ASEAN Impact Challenge. And one of the, my fellow speakers there was from the UNIS Center. And so I was thinking about maybe going and staying at the UNIS Center for a little while in Bangkok. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really have things nailed down. Right now, I'm kind of just going with the flow. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where I end up. But I know I'll see you in Bali in June, so I'm excited to meet you in person. Yeah, definitely. I look forward to it. So, well, thank you for taking the time of your day. Uh, I know it's probably quite fun to be in Cambodia. <laughs> and I'll let you know when the episode is going to be ready. For the people listening to the podcast, you can go... Uh, where can people find you on Instagram if they want to follow you? Ah, you can. I have two accounts. Well, actually, I have three accounts. Uh, my personal account is at 
period, P-R-A-G. My name is Tasha Prado. And then my business account is at Duraka, period, strategic. Um, and then I also have a fun little account where I share stories of the positive impact of the U.S. Peace Corps. So that one is at People of Peace Corps. Okay, perfect. Uh, for, for the other guys, my Instagram is like the website at remotepreneurs. So instead of remote entrepreneurs, you can enter deleted. So it's remotepreneurs. <laughs> I don't think it's that hard. But you can uh, go to my, to my website, remotepreneurs.com. I'm going to include the show notes of what we discussed, the most important topics, also the links from the book and other resources that I mentioned. And if you join my newsletter, I'm going to send you a free ebook for sales remote tips that help me to actually build four sources of income remotely. So that's quite useful. And it's going to include also after that, like a video every day. Awesome. I'm not selling anything, but I hope <laughs> the, that is going to, to help out because you, if you want to have this lifestyle, lifestyle let's let's face it, you need income and the best place to get income is through sales. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. You, sales is a must. Every, same with marketing and branding. Everybody needs it, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, guys, once again, thank you for listening. And I would appreciate if you can refer the podcast to other people that would like to hear the topic about remote entrepreneurs. And Tasha, once again, thanks and see you in Bali. Thank you so much. It was great to meet you. Likewise. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast to be the first to hear new episodes. And if you feel that this episode provided you with value, we invite you to share this podcast with a friend that is trying to escape the matrix and create his or her own remote economy. Visit remotepreneurs.com and join the email list to receive this episode's show notes and a welcoming gift.